Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Election College, episode 147. Editing the Constitution. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Jason. Uh, I know, like, word wasn't invented or anything, but... Did you know that the guys who created the Constitution actually built in a way for us to edit it? Yeah, it's one of those great things about America that we can say, hey, Constitution, things changed a little bit, so edit me. Yeah, I don't think there are a terribly large amount of documents. I don't have an exact number, but I read at one point how many there were that actually allow for themselves to be edited in such a heavy manner. So like amendments that can actually rule out things in the original document and that's pretty incredible in and of itself so uh the united states constitution i don't need to tell you guys but for all its faults or seeming faults it's a pretty good idea how they set it up yeah definitely i mean no document is perfect and the founding fathers knew that so why don't we get into jason Exactly how, I mean, we've talked about some amendments in the past, and of course we talked about the Bill of Rights and all that kind of stuff, but how do amendments actually get added to the Constitution? Well, that is a very good question. (laughs) So you have to have two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate say, yes, this sounds good, let's do it. Of course, it needs to get out of committee, but we'll get into that in a little bit. (laughs) And then it goes to the states, and then three-quarters of the states need to say, hey, U.S. Congress, you're awesome. We agree. Let's do it. Can you imagine how complicated it is? Because you have to not only get two-thirds of the House, like you said, and two-thirds of the Senate, and then three-fourths of the states, but you've also got to get, you know, grandma on board. You've got to get the millennials on board you've got to get the state lawmakers probably backing the thing for it to go through like it is almost a miracle that any kind of amendment can ever pass so ben most of the time it goes pretty conventional right the house and the senate they initiate the whole deal and then they go to the states but there is a special thing that the states can do they can have a ratifying convention that's where three-fourths of the states say hey, the Constitution of the U.S. needs to be amended. Right, and when they do that, they're able to have these conventions where states get together, they bring together designated lawmakers and stuff like that, and 
Well, Jason, the crazy thing is this sounds like it might be one of the easier ways rather than getting like all the people together and and, you know, having them all vote. It it sounds like this convention might be an easier way to go about things. But we've only done it one time. And that was back when the 21st Amendment, which, of course, was to repeal prohibition, uh, came around. And they were like, hey, remember that whole state convention thing we can do? We should try that this time. Yeah. And lo and behold, that was probably a big party that they had when (laughs) they got there. So this really signifies the fact that for all of you who have thought, and the most astute election college listeners will already know this, that we are not a democracy. We are a republic. And anytime you have a republic, it means that Well, representatives are doing all of this. So we can't iterate this enough that even voting for your state legislature, you know, your your local legislator, you need to be involved in that process because that person has a lot of authority. Yeah, they could very well be passing or helping to pass a, a constitutional amendment. Uh, that changes the course of our nation, as we have seen uh, 27 different times since the Constitution was finalized. So why don't we go into a little bit the fact that Congress has actually proposed more amendments than we have actually ratified as states. And first, let's we can talk about how that went. But second of all, isn't that pretty cool that Congress can say like, hey, we're going to do this, we think it's a great idea, and we, for better or for worse, have the decision then to say, nope, not going to do it. Yeah, definitely. So for those of you who listened to last week's episodes where we talked about the cabinet, we recorded those episodes while in Washington, D.C. Well, a block away from Washington, (laughs) D.C. And we went into the National Archives, and their big feature right now is all of these attempts that have been made since, well, the 1780s to amend the Constitution. And there have been over 11,000 attempts to amend the Constitution. Yeah, if you have the opportunity to go to D.C., even if you have seen the uh, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, you know, all those boring things, uh, if you can go during the this time where they have that exhibit i think it's just amazing to see how far the banner they have stretches with all the different amendments that could have uh in some small way become law uh, it's just an incredible amount of text that you can read but anyway yeah they've got a ton that have been proposed and as we know we've only got 27 amendments and 11,000 have been proposed so hmm, we we probably haven't seen as many pass as we could have and just a little advertisement for Washington, D.C., go the first week of December or the last week of November because it's empty and you can stand in front of the Constitution for a few minutes and take it in. And it's amazing. And, well, I've gone into that room where the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence are, and usually people are fighting over each other to view these documents and when you go this time of year it's totally different everybody's so nice and you can actually actually read them (laughs) yeah that was pretty cool 
definitely pretty cool to actually be able to read them instead of just glance at them as you pass by. So 11,000 attempts to amend the Constitution. Ben, why have we not, well, why do we not have 11,000 amendments? Well, one, I think uh, there's a there's a big thing that sometimes amendments are proposed just simply to make a point. Uh, sometimes the amendments are not actually serious, or if they are serious, they know that they would never actually pass through, but they're just trying to get across their point or the point of their constituents and say, hey, this is what I think should happen. And I just want to make a statement simply to, to you know, maybe get some press time or some airtime or something like that. Jason, we were actually at a uh, meeting of the Senate during, during the session where um, Barbara Boxer presented a type of amendment to the Constitution uh, about the Electoral College. So, um, you know, what, whatever your opinion is on, on Barbara Boxer or on that particular, uh, on the Electoral College or anything like that, doesn't matter. It's just cool that we got to be there and see a, an actual proposal for a bill. Yeah, it was one of those things that was like, hey, you're trying to abolish the Electoral <laughs> College. Don't abolish election college please senator yeah make sure you get the typing correct and everything whenever you submit that officially yeah and we have gotten some hate tweets and even (laughs) even a hate facebook message about the existence of the electoral college we're not the electoral college and the only power we have to influence government is the same power that you have so just to be clear about that yeah, just in case you thought this whole time you were listening to the Electoral College, you're not. <laughs> okay, so with all of these proposed amendments, most never make it out of committee, which isn't rare, right? Because a lot of times the committees wield their power. I shouldn't say a lot of the times, most of the time. And when they go before the entire House and the entire Senate, they... Well, a lot of them get voted down. So there has been 33 amendments that Congress has said, yes, let's do this. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, only 27 of those amendments or proposed amendments have actually been ratified by the states. And so, you know, the the people who wrote the Constitution, our founding fathers, the good guys, they understood the difference between, you know, legislation and matters of the Constitution. So they intended that it would be difficult to change the Constitution, but they also intended that it would definitely be possible if enough people were on board. So, uh, you know, the the Articles of Confederation actually required a much more stringent process by which to have things pass and be amended, whereas the Constitution is a little more lenient, and it's still hard, but it allows for a little more say in the government than the Articles of Confederation did. Yeah. The current Constitution, which I guess we can just call the Constitution, (laughs) it's fascinating because some of these amendments are proposed, and they can just be thrown out there and not be ratified Mm -hmm. for years And such is the case with, well, one of the original amendments. So, you know, we know the 10 Bill of Rights, but there were 12 that were passed, but only 10 were ratified. And 
we talked about this briefly, if not in depth before, the 27th Amendment to the Constitution. And just in case anybody wants to know about the 27th Amendment, it was submitted to Congress um, for ratification. Congress said, hey, states, what do you think? And the date was September 25th, 1789. And the states were like, uh, let's think about that for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and on May 5th, 1992, <laughs> it was ratified. It took 202 years and like seven months and well, if you're counting 10 days to get that bad boy passed. And that is the amendment that says, hey, Congress, yes, you can approve uh, the salary, your own salary. But guess what? It needs to be for the next Congress. You can't approve yourself getting a raise. Well, that doesn't go into effect until the next Congress. Yeah. I mean... If only we had term limits to guarantee that those people, never mind. Uh, so I don't want to get too political here, but. Uh, you could propose an amendment. That's true. As people have done. Yes. Actually, I think like every Congress or every every Congress since 1960 or something has proposed some sort of congressional term limit amendment. And of course, it's never happened, but we'll talk about that maybe in the next episode. Okay. So we mentioned one of the amendments, but let's go ahead just for just for fun, let's go through each of them. Ben, the First Amendment. The First Amendment prohibits the making of any law respecting an establishment of a religion, uh, allows us to exercise religion or not exercise it, allows us to have freedom of speech, allows us to have freedom of the press, and allows us to peaceably assemble and petition the government. The Second Amendment, Jason. Yeah, it protects the right to keep and bear arms. That's guns and stuff. Ben. Right. Well, that depends on who you ask, but that's another subject and, entirely. And how about that Third Amendment? This one says that you cannot be forced to put soldiers in your bed during peacetime. <laughs> so <laughs> good for you. Uh, Jason, the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, that provides unreasonable searches and seizures and sets out requirements for search warrants based on probable cause as determined by a neutral judge or magistrate. Which brings us to the Fifth Amendment. If you do happen to get searched and seized, <laughs> or you have a search warrant out <laughs> against you, you uh, have some rules that are set up for indictment by a grand jury. You've got uh, you know, the whole eminent domain thing, the right of due process, which is a big thing. And you know what? You don't have to incriminate yourself if you're on the stand. And you can't be tried again if you are found to be innocent, which kind of leads into the Sixth Amendment. Yeah, so you get a fair and speedy public trial by jury, and you will be notified of what you have been accused of, and you can confront your accuser, and you can obtain witnesses, and you can hire a lawyer. Hey, how about that? Seventh Amendment. Yeah. This one's just about a trial by jury. Just about. No big deal. Just a trial by jury yeah. in civil cases. Right. <laughs> Whatever. And, you know, this is according to common law. And um, actually, that's pretty much the whole amendment. <laughs> you, yeah. You have the trial <laughs> trial by jury in certain civil cases according to common law. Uh, Jason, the Eighth Amendment. 
Yeah, it prohibits excessive fines and excessive bail, as well as cruel and unusual punishment. That was always one of my favorite parts of the Bill of Rights. You cruel like cruel and unusual, and unusual punishment. punishment? Well, just that you can't be cruelly and unusually punished. Right. Jason. It just sounds good. We have to take an aside here real quick. Okay, so... We we I'm well, I'm just gonna talk about all the stuff we did in D.C. here all at once. We went to the Supreme Court and we got to sit in on a hearing, which was about uh, primarily the death penalty and someone who had been uh, on death row for 30 years and they they were coming to find if they were mentally capable or not because now they wouldn't be and in the past they would have been anyway. They were also trying the idea of, and I didn't see the result of this, but. What is cruel and unusual punishment? Is it cruel and unusual that someone should sit on death row for 30 years? It doesn't, what, whatever your opinion is, I just thought it was cool we got to be there for a case that dealt with cruel and unusual punishment. That was neat. Yeah, it was totally wild. Yeah. If you've never been to the Supreme Court, go because, oh my goodness. And <laughs> one of you, you know who you are, suggested that we do it and we did it and we are all the better for doing it. So thanks. Yeah. The Ninth Amendment says, just in case there's any rights we forgot about, you still have those. Yeah, that's like the job description that says, and other duties as requested. Yeah, I, ma <laughs> I make sure to put that in all my job postings. It's, it's a catch-all. Yes. So the Tenth Amendment limits the powers of the federal government to those delegated to it by the Constitution, which is a wonderful thing when you think about it, because it really shows that the original intent of our government is that it's the people. We're the government. <laughs> the 11th Amendment is, you know, that whole idea of sovereign immunity. Basically, it makes the states immune from suits that are from non-citizens and foreigners who may or may not be living here within the country. So if you get sued by somebody from another country, you may not have to worry about that. Yeah. The 12th Amendment, Jason. And the 12th Amendment states that, well, the mess that we had the first couple of elections, and especially that election of 1800, where the second place winner gets to be the vice president. Well, the 12th Amendment eradicates that and says, choose a running mate, would you? Right. So what about that 13th Amendment? This one says, no more slavery, no more involuntary servitude. Except if you're in prison and we make you work, but that's different. Right. And that 14th Amendment, Jason? Yeah, that defines citizenship. It contains the Privileges or Immunities Clause and the Due Process Clause and the Equal Protection Clause. And it also deals with some of the things regarding, well, the mess that our country found itself in in the Civil War. So trying to set some things straight after that. What about that 15th Amendment? This one says it doesn't matter what race you are, what color you are, if you used to be a slave, if you're not a slave anymore, you can vote. The only reason you wouldn't be able to vote is if you happen to be a female. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that one later. <laughs> uh, the 16th Amendment, Jason. It permits the federal government to collect income tax. Interestingly enough, that was a pretty big deal if you look at the exhibits in the yeah. Supreme Court where the Supreme Court said no, and Congress said yeah, and the states said okay. Yeah, what, what were they thinking? I don't know. 
that's something we probably can explore someday. And yeah. uh, if there's any big 16th Amendment fans out there, hey, give us a shout out. Let us know why you love it so much. Yeah, there's probably lots of pros and cons and everything, I'm sure. Right. And what about that 17th Amendment? It says, United States Senators, you are elected by a popular vote. Congratulations. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because representative government, mm, the 17th Amendment kind of abolishes a little bit of that representative government because yeah. that's, a, that's a big deal. What's that 18th Amendment do for us, Jason? That prohibits the manufacturing or sale of alcohol within the United States. Boo. and the 19th amendment if this was the one we're looking for here if uh it doesn't matter what sex you are you can vote yeah that's maybe everybody was sober at that point in our history (laughs) and they realized oh oh man how did we mess this up (laughs) uh and then the 20th amendment jason yeah that changes the date on which the terms of the president and vice president and senators and representatives end and begin. So if you remember, the president wasn't sworn in until later in the year. But eh, January 20th sounds like a good day, doesn't it? Why not? And interestingly enough, you have uh, Congress being sworn in on January the 3rd. So there is a time where the new congress and the lame duck president are well they're inhabiting washington together yeah very interesting situation there <laughs> definitely uh and uh we know where they we know where the president-elect stays whenever they're there that's kind of cool that's weird wild crazy awesome stuff yeah and that 21st amendment ben that 21st amendment is like everybody's like hey we can't take it anymore we need to get alcohol back legally uh, so they repeal the 18th Amendment, which this is, you know, it's one of the only, it, it is the only amendment that was a repeal of another amendment. So even though we can get it, we, we know that we didn't get it right the first time, so we need to build things in. Sometimes we don't even get it right the second time, and we have to do a third time. Yeah. It is interesting, though, that, you know, the 18th Amendment is still there on the books. It's just... Right. As a strike through it. Right. The 22nd Amendment, Jason. That's the one that limits the number of times a president can be elected as president. So they can only be elected twice. And it also says that, hey, if the outgoing president has served more than two years of their term, well, guess what? You can only be elected once. So how about that 23rd Amendment, Ben? The 23rd Amendment says, hey, Washington, D.C., you people who live there, you are allowed to have electors. And if you want to hear more about that, you can head on back to episode 63 of Election College, and we talk about the 23rd Amendment there. Yeah. Jason, Amendment number 24. That prohibits the revocation of voting rights for the non-payment of a poll tax. That's a big deal, Ben, because crazy things were happening where... Some jurisdictions were forcing people to pay to vote. Right. And as you can imagine, that affects certain groups of people more than it affects other groups of people. So, you know, rigging the vote. How about that 25th Amendment? This one sets up who becomes the president 
after the president is no longer the president. And then, of course, who becomes vice president and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, also if the president is incapacitated or anything like that, it just sets up all those things to make sure that they're in place. 26th Amendment, Jason. That prohibits the denial of the right of U.S. citizens, 18 years of age or older, to vote on the account of age. So, in other words, if you are 18 or above, why do why do legal things need to be so wordy? Just yeah. say, if you're 18 or older, you get to vote. Yeah, and I mean, come on, this one was passed in 1971. It's not like we didn't have the same language almost that we do today. Let's get with it. Yeah, for reals. And then the 27th Amendment. Yep, that's the one we just talked about earlier in the episode, that Congress can make up their new salary if they want to, but it doesn't go into effect until the new Congress, I guess you would say, comes in uh, to play. So you can't set your own salary and then also work for that same salary. Go figure. Over 200 years. That's absolutely nuts. Anyway, speaking of absolute nuts, there are a ton of other proposed amendments and several unratified amendments that we will cover in the next episode of Election College. So make sure if you're listening to us today, which is Tuesday, that you join us on Thursday. Yeah, there's lots. We're not going to go into all like 11, 12,000 of them, but we will certainly hit the highlights. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening and go ahead and let you know that we really, really, really appreciate it when you leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It'll only take you a small, small part of your day, 30 to 90 seconds, depending on how fast you type, to go over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps us out in the charts, and it helps us out in our hearts. I just made that up right there. Did you hear that? Oh, man. You are <laughs> awesome. Hey, and speaking of awesome, we have a incredible community of friends who interact on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, be sure to head over there to Election College on any of those platforms. And the official uniform, in December that is, of Election College is, well, one of our special ugly Christmas sweater t-shirts. I'm not going to judge. They can wear it sometime besides December if they want. You can head over to electioncollege.com slash store to pick up one of our ugly Christmas sweater t-shirts. And uh, we've got good old John Quincy Adams, which we talked a lot about him this past weekend. And Alexander Hamilton, Andrew Jackson as well. You can uh, pick up any of those guys that you want to to rep on your shirt for your Christmas party. Yep, you will look snappy and let's just say dapper. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody, and we will talk to you on Thursday. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>